turned out to be a punk rocker. You know what I do? Warning. This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Back. Welcome to Records and Bands, I'm Rob Jones. Um, you know how there's some bands and artists that we just stick with, like from when we found them and we hoover up everything that they make, whether that's albums or B-sides or side projects, like like for me that would be Pearl Jam. Um, so I've got all the records, I've got loads of like fan club only singles, um, the albums from brad and random all the side project same even soundtrack albums that like mike mccready went off and made all of it I, you know if it's got pearl jam's name on it or a member of pearl jam even after 30 odd years i'm there for it then there's those bands that split up after four or five records and you know you're a bit sad but you you follow the solo career of one of the band for a bit before you kind of just go back to the original stuff and and that's enough for you. So for me, that wouldn't be Alice in Chains. Like after them's illness forced the band into a long hiatus, I suppose is the right word. I really enjoyed Jerry Cantrell's solo records, Boggy Depot and Degradation Trip. But after Thane passed away in 02, um, I've kind of been happy enough with that iteration of the band. And I've never really had a desire to listen to any of the post Lake and Stay, the Alice in Chains records. Maybe that's a mistake, but I'm quite happy with my decision on that one. Then there's other bands or artists, bands in this case, who you really, really love. But at some point, their records were just a bit of a letdown. And you think, yeah, fuck it, I'm done. Like, you're still listening to those first few records that you loved, but you're just not bothering with any of the new stuff because at the end of the day, it's probably just a bit shit. There's a few of those out there, but, like, one band that really jumps out to me in that regard is Smashing Pumpkins. So, obviously, we all know Gish is really good. Siamese Dream, as we spoke about a few shows back, is an absolute all-timer of a record for me. And even Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which... You know, at times there's a little baggy in places. It's a really, really good album. But then they released a door and I thought, ah, this isn't really what I expected. And bear in mind when I'm listening to these, it's back in the 1990s and they've just been released and I've probably spent 12 or 15 quid on the CD. It's not like I can just press play on Apple Music and it's there and it hasn't cost me any more money than my subscription i'm actually shelling out hard paying notes for this stuff so you buy it and you listen to it a couple of times it's not really what you want and then it kind of sits on the shelf and every time you want to listen to the pumpkins you you just grab one of the cds next to it and then a couple of years after a door machina comes out and it's like you're not even bothered to copy your mate cd of it or make a tape of it but it's all right because, you know, you still got Drown and Bodies and Galapagos and Cherub Rock is always going to be amazing. So somehow, and quite unexpectedly, while I was doing the washing up, Apple Music suggested listening to a new Smashing Pumpkins album. When I say new, it is one from 2018, which is pretty new for me. Um, but that's, you know, getting on for 20 years since I stopped caring about what Billy Corgan was being sad about. You can imagine my surprise that it turned out to be good i know so the album is shiny and also bright volume one and it's eight tracks of 
art rock, pop-tinged rock music. From an almost reformed Smashing Pumpkins, Darcy is still missing, but this reunification of the band seems to be working. Um, One of the big things for me was how familiar it felt, and I couldn't quite put my finger on why. Then I realised I'd been listening to a lot of post-2000s Manic Street Preachers, and they're another band that I kind of left behind after a couple of disappointing records. Um, And I'm not sure if it's the production or the arrangements or even just like the drum sounds which is great but there's definitely shades of like the manics arty rocky recent records now i'm sure you'll tell me if i'm wrong about this but at eight tracks and 33 minutes long it feels really really tight and compact and a lot of what i understand you know, a lot, a lot of what put me off with Smashing Pumpkins back in the day was just it was all a bit overblown and getting a bit long and baggy for the sake of it. But this is definitely different. Um, it feels like, as with most Billy Corgan projects, it's kind of unclear how much collaboration has gone on. But it sounds like there's just some fun going on in the studio. Whether it's the lighter tone on the record or he's just enjoying making music with his mates, Billy Corgan sounds happy. So standout tracks for me would be the opener, Knights of Malta. The second track, Silvery Sometimes, harks back to 1979 and that's both the drum sounds and the arrangements. Um, Billy's voice is absolutely at its iconic best on Solara and... Um, Marching On is a proper proto-goth stomp-along of a record. It's really, really cool. It might be my favourite song on the record. And again, at 2 minutes 20-odd seconds, it's a real tight, compact piece of work. It's really, really good. So overall, it's a great return to form, albeit it's like four years old already. I am catching up, I promise. But it's almost like finding a new band again. But there's like three other records to go and explore. And hopefully, like now going back to them, they'll be just as good as when I found the original. I don't know if they'll be as good as I, I can't see them being as good as like those first things, those first three Smashing Pumpkins records. But if they're as good as this one, it's pretty good. So Smashing Pumpkins sounding good in 2022. Is that nostalgia or is it just me finding comfort in a cheerful Billy Corgan? Who knows? <laughs> 